Welcome back to The Intuitive Mindset with Jeannie Lynch. And today we continue the beautiful series called Spiritual Stories Worth Sharing. Christina Althea Abbey will be sharing and interviewing with me today, talking about victim consciousness. Hmm, wondering what that means? Stay listening. It's a very important topic. I can't wait to share. Hey, Jeannie Lynch coming back to you today. Welcome back to Spiritual Stories Worth Sharing. We're in March now and we're moving on and I'm very excited to reintroduce to you a beautiful woman. Perhaps you recognize her. She has been featured on my channel in the past and you're going to see her in the future. She's done quite a few videos with me and I love her insight. Christina Althea Abbey is going to be sharing her journey and her awareness to a very important topic. So before we tell you what that is, let's just take a second and look up at all my little characters that I use in my spiritual practice. Which one do you identify with when you look behind, right? We're all trying to be, um, you know, the best expression of ourselves. And the one that shows up quite often in my own life right now with my little beautiful health challenge that's going well, by the way, is this beautiful topic we're going to talk about today. And it's victim consciousness. Hmm, what does that mean? I will tell you, I was on a journey to do this topic. I was taking notes and listening and getting ready. And I was so excited when Christina submitted her notes for this story today. And I realized it was her topic. So let's just break this down so you know where we're heading with this. We leave and we move in and out of victim consciousness all day because we're in a physical body, right? We're hungry and the store is closed. We're running late for work and the red light happens, right? Blame, someone else did it, not me at work, and so on. Well, what happens when you get into a relationship that places you in that place? So, Christina's quick story that we're gonna dive into work today and her whole video is her story through that process. Her 14-year marriage ending, that upset, which led her to, let's just say, attract maybe not such a great relationship, which opened the door, happened for her, to really look at maybe some childhood traumas that had not yet been dealt with, and opened the door to understanding that she had the power and she needed to uncover all that for herself. Oh, sounds like a lot. We're gonna be diving in today. It's a topic that many of you have asked for, so stay listening. We're going to dive into that beautiful story worth sharing. That interview, that podcast is coming up next. Hey, welcome back to Spiritual Stories Worth Sharing. We're moving on, we're in March, and I have a repeat guest on my show. I'm so excited to have Christina Althea Abbey back in the chair, back in the recording studio, and to continue this beautiful topic, deep topic, and an important topic, and it's a topic that many of you have messaged me, poked me, and asked me to talk about. And we're gonna dive into this beautiful spiritual story that Christine is gonna share, and we're gonna talk about victim consciousness today, and what that is, and 
her journey through that and her message out to you, which is truly a beautiful spiritual story worth sharing. So because I didn't really introduce you with a bio, I'm going to let you just kind of say your own piece to yourself and let my audience know who you are. It. Well, I'm Christine. And um, this is, I think this happens to everybody where you hit that midlife and two things are going to happen. You're either going to um, flip out and end your marriage and take off and buy a red sports car and have your midlife crisis, or you're going to wake up and realize you have some things that you need to work on. And um, I, I'm glad that I was wise enough to just take a step back at my life when my husband uh, of 14 years in a relationship of 20 years kind of came home one day and I thought I was in the most blissful of marriages with the most amazing husband on the planet. And the day he sat me down and had a conversation about wanting to move out and find himself, I started this realization over the course of the weeks that followed was that he was shoving his emotions for most of our relationship. So he finally was this volcano mm. that recognized he had been a people pleaser and had done everything I wanted. I thought it was what we wanted. Good point. But he said, I did everything you wanted in your for you in your life and I didn't do anything I wanted in my life. So he just wanted to Splitsville instead of working on it. And, you know, we won't go to victim consciousness there. Yeah. And, um, you know, it took me some time to accept that. That was his journey. And um, that relationship needed to end for a reason. That relationship needed to end because I wasn't honoring myself either, yeah. even though I thought that I was. So that started it. Yeah. I like the fact, too, what you're saying is pretty important because... It's a story about how how you know how we don't use our words and we you know try to mold to be the person someone else wants us to exactly. be. And it can happen on both sides, mm -hmm. male and female, because I've heard mm -hmm. the, certainly that story from the the women's perspective. So keep going. This is fascinating. Well, being in that position of literally being feeling like I was hit by a cosmic two by four, because this is my blissful marriage and my most amazing husband is wanting to move out because he wants to go find himself, and I found out there was more to the story and he pretty much had already decided that he wanted a divorce okay. and that was that's the story for another day but realizing all these things and all of that 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 guilt and those feelings of not enoughness and all of that what did I, how did I fail and why did he find another woman and what's wrong with me so I was in this terrible emotional place obviously and in that wonderful beautiful place I attracted the most gorgeous toxic relationship oh no here we go door <laughs> opening <laughs> this is the one so um i don't even know where to go from here was he the opposite of your husband and so you attracted him that way or was were you he, just in a vulnerable place that i was in a vulnerable place and this person that i met um you know i I, I would say the closest thing is narcissistic so but the the tricky thing because I, I prided myself on being wise and um, you know intelligent and not recognizing a narcissist that was a covert narcissist, mm. which you know we might share a little more about later, but it's, it's the type of narcissism that's not obvious and it's very insidious and it's very like this, I always called it my IV drip of not recognizing that you were being emotionally torqued and twisted and, and, and then it engaged all the things from my childhood Got it. that I didn't know was there. 
because when you are when you are subjected to emotional abuse that's underhanded you don't know that you were because if it's physical abuse you at some time in your life learn that being hit is not good or yeah. being raped is Get bad bruise, right? but when you, there isn't any blood or bruises yeah. and it's just and it's passive aggressive mm-hmm. you don't realize the programming yeah. but in the end once that relationship when i finally became awakened to what that was that was the big healing journey because i realized that it's something that i had been programmed to way back and i had learned all of these survival mechanisms that were so passive that you didn't realize you thought it was because you're a really nice person but no you're a doormat and you thought you were being really kind and helpful no you're being a people pleaser and so it all these little things and when you add them all up i was this really broken person oh but i looked so sweet on the outside I think so. too. That's a really good point, and I think there's some truth, and I'm sure you've seen it with people you work with and in your mm-hmm. spiritual practice. That there's a truth out there that let's say you're dealing with abandonment issues or mm-hmm. abuse issues, and there's a wound inside your soul that is not healed yet. You still have it, then, right? So then, two things are going to happen. You're going to attract it, but then also working for you. We're going to talk a lot about that, aren't we? Not a, no, this is happening for you, not to you. Right. Is that the universe will create the scenarios over and over and over again? Are you listening? This universe will create the scenarios over and over and over again until you heal that wound. Well, and here's the funny part of the thing: this relationship, it wasn't. It wasn't just that it was re- repeating what happened when I was younger that I wasn't even consciously aware of, but in that relationship the lesson happened over and over and over and over again. And it's like, I wouldn't get it. I didn't get it. He kept abandoning me. He kept, you know, putting me on this pedestal, but then freaking smashing the pedestal to either put me in my place or, you know, whatever. I I don't want to get into the brain work of these toxic people. But, But the beauty of it was when I finally saw it. But sometimes I feel like maybe it's because we think we're so powerful or it's our need to be so strong that we will allow this painful process and these painful experiences to happen over and over and over. Mm-hmm. And there's almost a pride in, I can make it through this. Yeah. I can fix this. I can heal this. I can heal this person or I can save this person or all these things were coming yeah. in. And in the end, the old person that was being hurt the most was me. Love that, Christine. Really good <gasps> awareness. Not to mention, though, on the law of attraction side, contrast is there to teach us. Yes, so he even, was my mirror. Yeah, you're, was we, it. I want you to go into that because you talk a lot about the mirror in fact we did another video together recently and um you started talking about the mirror so can we go to that i know it's not on my questions but can you give uh, my audience an overview or an understanding and when we are putting up these conversations about these different we'll call them dsm diagnosis right that we're not licensed to be saying we are or we're not we'll put up little tags right up there (laughs) to other videos that will give you a better description of the full diagnosis of, some, of one of these things so you can find out for yourself. But exactly. go to the mirror piece for me because I think your intelligence around that is really important. I think sometimes we think the mirror is, you know, you know, you can use the mirror in different ways. At first you think there are likenesses and that they make you comfortable with each other. But when those mirror, when the mirror comes from a wounding, mm. that's where the 
pain happens. So, you know, the things that he was mirroring for me was my need for validation. And, you know, he needed, he had a need for validation. And I felt the need to fulfill that need and validate him. Got it. So, you know, there's, there were just so many instances of these things where, um, you know, uh, the fear of abandonment, you know, he broke up with me so much. So when every single time that happened, I collapsed Mm. into this and I couldn't figure out what it was because I said to myself, it's just a guy. Like, okay, I was close and we, uh, we were special and we had a relationship going for a while, but why am I reacting so strongly? Well, I was reacting because it was a, a deep wound that went beyond the relationship. Got it. I wasn't, I wasn't grieving him. I was grieving the wound of abandonment. Got and, you know, I came to discover it was the abandonment of um, emotional abandonment as a child. I was never physically abandoned, mm-hmm. but I was emotionally abandoned. Mm-hmm. So, and I think he was too. But we reacted to it different, and what we did is we sort of played into each other's needs. And so anytime he had a reaction that hurt me, then I would follow up with my own woundedness that helped fix his woundedness. So it was just just constant layering. And that's what the mirror was. It was that eventually when I started seeing the layers, and I was like, wait a minute, he's responding to this the same way, you know, as I would, but he can wait, he's not waking up to that. Is another word for mirroring codependency, or is that something totally different? It's one of the ways okay. of mirroring. Got it. Yeah, Got mirroring it. that too, because yeah, yeah I, I needed him to fulfill my validation, and he needed me to fulfill his validation. How does someone get out of this? We're going to go into, you know, we thank you for that. That really helps me understand too, and I hope it did for you. How, do, how does the timeline for this go? Is this, you know, three months later, or is this deep work of six years? Are you still working through it? I mean, what would be your timeline? A lot of it's going to be lifetime, I think, because it's my original wound. You know, it's my childhood wound, and I think it's it formed who I am. And But instead of looking at it, I think one of the biggest adjustments I've made as I've gone through this journey is instead of looking at it as something about me to fix, mm-hmm. I'm learning that this is my healing journey. Oh, it's just I what it is. I mean, it's, it's a beautiful, it. you know, you're going to hit these bumps, and you go, oh, bump what's this about? Instead of going, oh my God, I screwed up again. Like, what a mess am I? You know, so I just try to have this light look at this whole thing and say, oh, here's another opportunity to go, you know, and that doesn't mean you don't be sad because that's one of the other tools that I learned was how to be a witness to this whole process and not judge it and not say you screwed up. Just say, oh, you didn't learn the lesson yet because this is still affecting you. And if you're still reacting to it, that means there's still, you know, you cleaned it, but you didn't clean out the corners yet. You didn't get the whole thing. So everything's an opportunity to just go deeper and deeper into that healing. I love that. I remember being in counseling once for my own healing journey. And I like the point too that we've talked about, we're always healing. There's always something to be healed, right? So mm-hmm. I love that it's not something you just, you know, check off and you move on, right? Exactly. So I remember being in um, counseling for myself once through my grief process, and I was questioning whether I got out of a relationship too soon or too late, and I should have left, and I was still there. And um, the person working with me said pretty much what you just said, which is your work is not done yet. Right. Together. And... So here you are, right? And, that, and I asked that question too, because mm-hmm. while I was in the relationship, I think I knew in the first week that there was something wrong. Yeah. But there was something that hooks you. 
And you know, I later came to realize it's the wounds that hook you. Yeah. I had desperately had a need for desperate validation, yeah. and he was really good at that. Yeah. So, and that's what that behavior is in that kind of relationship is that they build you up yeah. before they take you down. That's a good point. And build you up again. But I needed that, and I was so hooked into the memory yeah. of the good parts where I felt so good validated, but that validation came from the wrong place. So that's why when you ask about timeline, yeah. I knew from the beginning something was wrong, but I didn't know what was wrong yet. And all I knew is that part of it felt really good. Okay. <laughs> so let's go to so. this. Let's go to the process. So here mm -hmm. you are. You're, you've left your marriage and you attracted the wrong person, mm -hmm. right? And now you're coming to this awareness of that, your own healing journey and looking back at your childhood. So that's yeah. your timeline. Right. What was the catalyst to what... what process did you find that you got immersed in? Did, was it the law of attraction? Was it the priestess thing that you're going to talk about? What, yeah. what started your real healing? If, if people were listening today and they wanted to follow that path because they yeah. feel they're in a similar situation, you can reach out to Christina below, by the way. <laughs> Please do that. Um, she'll be of service to you through this channel. Um, but help people get there where you were. Yeah. Well, what's a good starting point? First of all, I was in so much pain, I finally had to recognize that I was in so much pain that this wasn't right. And no matter how good the good parts felt, the good parts were getting less and less often, yeah. and the pain was so severe. And it, it just kept happening over and over, and I couldn't stand up anymore. So I said, I can't keep doing this. And I had always, my, my, one of my greatest tools was always journaling. And I finally, instead of just the journaling, I started to go back into the, the journal and reread it. And I recognized everything I wrote about was negative and painful. And I said, I used to write about good things, so why am I only writing about pain? And then rereading about the pain, I started recognizing these patterns. Yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm sad about that thing again and again and again. I'm like, what, when a ding lesson. So that's when I recognized the lesson. So that's when I started reaching out for other tools. Okay. So that's when I started reaching out for everything I knew of. I started reading books. I started looking into toxic relationships because I said, I don't know what this is, but I know it's not good. And I know that this relationship, it, it's, it, there's something wrong. So I need to look. So I started reading books and then I actually found a, a group therapy that oh. I went to for a while. And I continued my journaling and I went to healing I, I did healings. I went to a Reiki. I'm, I'm my own Reiki practitioner, but I went to a Reiki practitioner and I had someone else work on me. So, and I went to a group Reiki healings and things like that so that I could heal others, but also be healed Love and do that. a give and take. Love so that. I just pulled in a lot of these things just to kind of get it from every angle. And in each thing I did just helped open me up. And the thing that I needed more than anything was just the awareness of, yes, this didn't feel right. And you need to figure out how to get away from it because you're not going to fix it. We talk all the time on this channel about self-love. Yeah. And we throw that out like, oh, just, in fact, when I was going through my little health challenge, I, I jokingly said to somebody, if one more person tells me to love myself more, <laughs> I'm going to have a problem yeah. because I'm immersed in loving myself through this process. So right. when you think about self-love, right, and obviously it's that awareness and you're saying you can't, mm -hmm. cannot fix what is, you know, no is broken, right? Exactly. Um, where was self-love in there for you? Are you, are you still healing that? Still? I'm still healing it, but I think my self-love has shifted. Okay. It went from self-loving actions to, you know, uh, I do, I love going to the gym. I do love bubble baths. I do love eating chocolate, having a glass of wine, having a, you know, fire in the fireplace, reading a book. But for me, the self-love really needed to come into play in the 
acceptance, Mes- messaging, self validation, recognize boundaries really big for me. Saying no because saying, saying yes. no to the to the to saying yes to the wrong thing yeah. all the time was a really big no no for me, and it was really hard because my training, my childhood training was that I had to fix everything and I had to make everything okay. So if someone else was upset, you know, I, I had to you know, bring the cupcake or bring the smile or tell the joke or, you know, always be positive and do all of that stuff. Right. And anytime anyone asked for help, I wanted to make sure I was always accepted and I was always the helper. And I just, I had to get out of that because no matter how many bubble baths you have, you're not going to fix that. To really heal the wounds of relationship, you need to take the endeavor of being in one to really work it through, right? Because <laughs> if you're trying to heal just the relationship with yourself, that's all you're really going to do. So right. you got to get back out there. And so mm-hmm. where are you today with that? Oh, well, a vulnerable question. I've created a lot of relationships. I realized I didn't have many. Okay. So, um, you know, much of my healing journey was meeting new people. And that's how I met genie and uh, being part of my women's meditation group and being involved in more uh, healing groups and Reiki healing groups and um, making girlfriends which honestly I didn't have a lot of those Mm. because you know growing up girlfriends don't validate you they compete with you or they did with me when I was younger Mm -hmm. so the girlfriend thing was okay but I always gravitated to male friends because they were always complimentary and they were always so, you know, yeah. we tell ourselves, oh, you know, I just get along better with men when it's really, no, the men are nicer because they're trying to hit on us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. And that actually. felt really comfortable yeah. to be in that position where they would say all the right things to make me smile because they were trying to impress me. So That's very funny. I, I, similar story to my childhood. I hung out with all the guys in school and it wasn't until my tw- 20th high school reunion where one of my friends, I said, oh, I was just one of the guys. And they did one of these, you know, yeah, Jean, you were one of the guys. So I like that. Thank you for sharing that. I love this question in these interviews. If you knew then what you know now, let's just stop the tracks, right? What would... would, I wouldn't change the journey itself, of course, because we all know the beautiful lessons that come. And if we didn't have that lesson, we wouldn't have evolved into this, you know, blossoming flower that we are. So, but the thing that if there was something I would want to change, it would be to have recognized how judge, how much judgment there was. Yeah. Um, because my problem wasn't in judging the other, it was judging myself. And then as I went through the healing, this is where the victim consciousness comes in. Okay. It was more, I did a short period of time once I recognized that it was emotional abuse with this relationship that I was in, wanting to say, oh, I was the victim of, and now in my childhood I was the victim of. But then I I so easily, because of the way I was programmed, flipped it onto myself Got it. and said, you're the idiot. You're the one who messed up. So I victimized myself. Yeah, very interesting. And that was the part that was the most damaging. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that other part wasn't damaging, but as you're trying to heal, the last thing you want to do is say, you know, what's wrong with you? You, yeah. you should have seen it coming. I think that's the true So you don't want to be a victim, victim of that person because yeah. yes. they did not victimize me yeah. because they were this lesson trying to reveal my wound. That's what being a, you know, in the end, if you are a victim, that's what it is. It's not that you're a victim, it's that you didn't pay attention 
to the fact that a wound was trying to expose itself. Yeah. And once you can look at that, then don't make yourself the victim either. Yeah. And go, oh, we're all in this place. He was this tool that came into my life this, you know, little, looked like a beautiful flower, and then it was really thorny, <laughs> and there were a lot more thorns than flower, but I chose to grasp onto those thorns until I bled like crazy, but then once I'm bleeding, you don't go, you're an idiot for bleeding. You go, okay, let's take care of this now. Let's take care of this bleeding. Yeah. What do you need to do in order to make this stop bleeding and to stop grabbing at the thorns? That's... I'm having my own epiphany here, realizing that now that you've had this awareness for your own journey, you could potentially meet somebody and see that in them. You know, so back to the mirror, because you've already done the healing and go, oh, you know, that's a whole other layer of this, it right? Is, is, exactly. is recognizing somebody playing the victim. Hmm. Mm -hmm. That might have to be the sequel to this video. <laughs> um, what do you want to share with others, Christine? I know you have yeah. all these things. We've been talking so much about your future self and what you want to do for people. I think that's a, an, an opportunity to, do you mind expressing kind of what your dream is to help other women and stuff? I would, I think that's the part you have the most to share about. I think so, the greatest, you, you know, I learned a lot about self-love and, you know, there's a lot of things to learn in that arena, but I think if there's been one big, the biggest lesson that I learned is there was a period while I was going through this relationship that I recognized that as I was grieving, I allowed myself to observe the fact that I was grieving. And I almost had a joy in my grieving. It wasn't joyful that I was grieving, but it took me a long time to figure out the word. I'm like, do I love the fact that I'm grieving? Because that's kind of awkward. But I had this odd acceptance for the fact that I am collapsed on the floor, holding my stomach in so much pain that I feel like I'm going to stop breathing. Got it. But at the same time, I'm, I'm feeling held. And that's when I recognized the word yeah. is called reverence. Oh, I love that and word. And if the biggest the lesson, word. and if I am going to do anything with it, I am going to do something yeah. with this going forward, is learning how to have reverence with everything. We think about reverence and we think about joy and we think about good. To be able to have reverence in your grief, Tell, us, the what, same tell time. us what your definition of reverence is. To so be, be so present with it, to witness it from every aspect. Like when we are in joy, we can see every color of the rainbow and every texture of the flower yeah. and every beautiful nook and cranny of our lover, right? But what do we see when we are in our darkness? Mm -hmm. We just see dark. Yeah. But then in that moment, if you can witness the dark, but then the crack, because, you know, they say the wound is where the light enters yes. you. So if you can see that crack where the, where the light wants to come in, but then you feel the holding of divine love in that. You might not actually feel the love because mm -hmm. everything hurts too much, but you feel the holding of that. I love that. And then you're, you're, you're still feeling the breeze and you're recognizing that the breeze feels different. It doesn't feel beautiful, yeah. but it feels present yeah. with you. So... I don't know if anyone else has ever experienced this and it's really hard to describe it in words, but the reason I also bring this up because the culmination of the hardest part of this journey, and I'm still on it and I'll always be on it, was going to a grief retreat with one of my my priestess sisters who was the host of this. And she's the one, and that's, we'll talk about, you know, a tool later yeah. or, that I'm, yeah. but um, that was the thing that made me be able to put words to 
what that was. What you were experiencing. Yeah, experiencing this reverence for the for the grieving process itself. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, well, good. So that kind of leads us into a couple more questions mm -hmm. before we wrap up. And I know it seems like we're just opening up doors here mm -hmm. for the conversation. Let's take a second and just say, if you have a scenario, a situation, and you'd like guidance or help, or you're asking more questions as we're putting content out today, put your message below. We will, we, she, we, we will absolutely follow up and do our best to assist you by answering those questions. So what do you feel is your inspirational message? My inspirational message do you have is to share it? be kind to yourself, be patient to yourself, and be open to all things, no matter what they look like on the outside, because everything is happening for our highest good. I love that. Anything that I have missed today, when you were mm. you know, talking about, oh, I wanna share this story, and I'm hoping that we get to say this, is there something that I did not ask that you would like to make sure gets on this video before we go into our rapid fire? I don't think so. We covered most of it, and I, I knew that I wanted to talk about the victim part, which okay. we did, and then I wanted to get to the importance of the witnessing, yeah. because that's where that's when the healing comes. Yeah. I love that. Everybody. So, you know what I think that means? It's time. It's time. We're <laughs> heading. We're heading into my favorite part, which is the rapid fire. Great question for this series. What are some favorite books? especially in this topic that you think people would help? I have to give you a threefold answer okay. because we'll there's three it. aspects. I think everyone needs to understand that abuse isn't always obvious. And a book that was really important to me to understanding covert emotional abuse was Healing from Hidden Abuse. Okay. And then there I'll was- put that name and Arthur yes. the book title up. Okay. One. And then uh, the one that has to do with um, honoring the grief. And um, actually we did a whole ceremony and we did a community grief and it was a, a beautiful healing process. The name of that book is The Wild Edge of Sorrow. Okay, one more. And then the last one is all about the, the feminine power that I was able to extricate from this process. And a lot of that, uh, my passion has been released. And a lot of that was hooked to hanging on to the book Burning Woman. Okay. I've heard, I've heard that. Lucy Pierce. I've heard that yes. title before. Really okay. <laughs> Changing the world. What does the world need, Christine, in order to be changed? It needs self-love and knowledge of holding space and witnessing and allowing the process to unfold. I love that. Life lesson. We all come here, we think, with, you know, the PhD. What do you think you're here to learn? What seems to be showing up? Um, what's your life lesson? Self-acceptance of my true self. What are you doing when you're experiencing joy? I am out with Mother Nature. Playing Whatever with, that is. Laying with your goats. Feet in the dirt or in the sand or in the water. <laughs> Tell us what you love about yourself. My resilience. Because huh. boy, has that been tested. And I am still standing I, and smiling. I love that. <laughs> I love that about you too. Hey, this is Jeannie and Christine wrapping up today. Thank you so much for watching and following this series. This will be on HD Color on YouTube and also on the Intuitive Mindset on my podcast channel. So thanks again for watching. We appreciate you. We appreciate your time. Thank you. Bye now.
Hey, thanks for listening to this beautiful podcast. If you'd like to see this podcast in full-blown HD color, head on over to my YouTube channel and look for me under Jeannie Lynch. Thanks again for being part of my community and join me on my platforms. Love and light. Namaste.